Good morning, and you're listening to Common Sense right here on WEZS 103.3, 1350, and of course, WEZS.com. I am Paul Hofgarten, along with Mark Abair. We bring you Common Sense. Today we have uh, Karen Testament and Stephen Curtis uh, with us. They're our guests, and we're going to do some more nuke talk. That's right. And I'm going to kick this off if I can. And the reason why I think this is a, a topic that's worth uh, coming back to is the the reality is uh, electric cars are going to be killing us. And most people just haven't stopped and thought about this. But let's run a couple of things up the flagpole. If we follow the progressive agenda, we're going to be everybody in a, an electric car by about 2035. Okay, and if we if we all get in an electric car based on the technology that we've got today, it takes about uh, three tenths of a kilowatt per mile driven, which means if you drive it uh, the distance equivalent to what you have in a tank of gas today, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to buy 90 kilowatts of electricity from the power grid. Now that's a that's one thing that we remember we need to remember and then figure out how much of your budget you're willing to spend on your electric uh bill. Now, is there going to be electricity for you to buy irrespective of what cost you have to pay? If you go out and do the math, that means uh if there's 14 years between now and 2035, there's 52 weeks in a year, um, and if you do the, the, the multiplication here for how much electricity cars will use, we are going to have to have 728 gigawatts of additional generation power to just stay even uh, and replace the gasoline that we are now using. So where is that? Uh, capacity going to come from? Where is that generation capacity going to come from? If you're not paying attention, you're not going to be able to to have any way to move from point A to point B. Now, if you live five miles from your employer's place of business, maybe you can walk that way and back all, all year long. But if you work in Concord, maybe that's not such a uh, a good-looking walk after a couple of days. Um, so what we want to do is we want to talk about uh, nuclear power and some of the decision-making that, that has gone on that's put us really behind the, uh, the eight ball. Uh, we're at a place where we know in New Hampshire we're at 100% capacity. That means we're using every bit of electricity that's being generated in New Hampshire today for the uses that we have Today, our population is not going to be going down, um, so it doesn't make sense for us to assume that all of a sudden we're going to have uh, surplus electricity to use to power our automobiles. It also doesn't make sense for us to assume that moving forward, we're going to be able to have uh, less uh, power demand because as we move forward, we're probably going to have more electricity, electrical devices and more electronics uh, that we use in our day-to-day -day life. 
So how are we going to get that capacity? That let's let's start there and maybe we can start with some of the impediments that are in place um to building more capacity. Well in in my opinion the uh, the biggest impediment is people have been uh unnecessarily injected with fear for anything nuclear or anything radiation. And so the reason for that has to be competitive or a, 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 a money-based issue. And I, and I contend there's a monopoly in your energy supply, electric energy supply. And if you're talking about lower costs, monopoly is just the opposite of the way you want to go. You want a competitive. Anything competitive will lower the cost because the competitors will work with each other to give you, the customer, uh, the, the, the best price that they can. And you're not getting that with electricity right now. <laughs> So how do you generate more of a capacity? Uh, that's unknown because I can tell you the, the I don't talk with the oil interest and the gas interest, the American Petroleum Institute very often, but I go to their conventions sometimes. They're not afraid at all of losing market share. They just, they're, they're not worried about the fact that all these states want to get rid of fossil fuels and everything. They just don't even think it's going to happen. So there's some disconnect there. And I think when you look at who's doing all the lobbying in the energy world, it's the American Petroleum Institute. There's not too much competition from them. So you're, you're backing yourself into a, a monopolistic type of a approach. What I'd like to see is uh, uh, we have a national grid now. I'd like to see that sort of nationalized and, and make that part of the common uh, ownership like they did with AT&T and phone service and everything. And then you have, then you can compete people who come in and supply energy to the, to the grid. And you can, you can actually have attach a company that supplies energy here and on the other side you could buy from that company that supplies energy and so if the people see an advantage of buying different kinds of energy they can choose which ones come on now that's going to take some time to matriculate into the system but i just feel that nuclear offers you an advantage that nothing else does it's a baseload power on all the time so you can talk about how we can back up wind and back up solar and and i guess if you want to talk about it like that there's a huge expense to that, and it's being subsidized now, so you don't see it. But with, with we, we, an ideal, a, a better idea would be to put a baseload power on that covers a certain level of energy all the time, and then when you need more energy, you can figure out how to boost that baseload power. Now they're trying to do that with wind and solar with uh, batteries, but those none of that system has been sensitized by the market. So it's not the best idea. You know how we do. We test the market and something doesn't work well. They go out of business and something else yep. comes in and does Wouldn't it. Wouldn't getting rid of it. I mean, I don't think anything should be subsidized because that's the government picking winners and losers. And, and I think if you got rid of subsidies for any kind of power generation, um, you'd probably, nuclear power would probably ri rise like the cream rising to the top it's of a bottle of milk back in the day very competitive. It's over-regulated. Here you have the safest industry in the business. It has the best industrial safety record of any energy-producing business and any business period, and yet the regulations are so onerous on it that it, about half the cost is regulation, about half the cost of, of the power they produce, and they're still they're competitive. Something that uh, the average consumer probably does not understand is in a nuclear plant, all of the component parts in the nuclear side of the generation uh, facility 
have to be sourced. That means you have a huge QA, QC industry that is tremendously expensive because you you can't just go out and buy a, a, a 5 eighths nut to put on your bolt. You have to have a certified 5 eighths nut, and it has to meet the ISO standards, and it has you have to be able to source the material all the way back to where it was dug out of the ground, and everybody who has touched it has to be on the certification. It, it's tremendously uh, wasteful in terms of cost, and it does not uh, give us the uh, reciprocal amount of safety that you would expect. Um, so it's, it's a governmentally uh, imposed uh, cost for nuclear power, and it, it's not the same for other types of uh, electrical generation capacity. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, we have a caller, so let's see what the caller has to say. Good morning, you're on Common Sense. Good morning. Uh, this is Omar Ray Hearn Jr. calling from Wentworth, New Hampshire. Morning, Omar. Uh, I have one uh, quick question for your guest. Um, and actually, I've been talking with Mr. Curtis uh, off and on for the last uh, couple of weeks. And one of the questions that has arisen, though, because, you know, we have a lot of uh, conservative patriots here in New Hampshire, is the issue of terrorism with regard to nuclear power. And, and, and that's one of the safety issues. So I'm hoping that uh, Mr. Curtis might be able to discuss uh, that issue and... Uh, Again, I, I just heard about this question of terrorism just in the last 35 seconds. So I got an email from uh, one of the uh, folks that I've been talking with about pursuing nuclear-generated uh, energy in New Hampshire. So thank you very much, and uh, I will listen to the answer. And thank you, Mark, for putting on this show. And, Paul, thank you for helping him out. This, this is a great service you're doing by hosting this show. Wish you had, I wish you were on for two or three hours. Well, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But thank you very much. And were you in the house in two thousand five when I was in the house? I was in the house two thousand three, two thousand four during Governor okay. Benson's administration. Oh, you lucky! <laughs> when I got elected, Lynch came in, <laughs> blew the whole thing up. You know, and, and I was an early supporter of Craig Benson, even when there was a primary, and some people thought I was nuts, and I thought he did an excellent job. Even though he was only here, there here. for two years, it was kind of unfair what happened to him. Anyway, yep. thank you, Omar. We'll talk again soon. And All right, a great so question, too. Thank you. That uh, was actually a very good question, especially in light of what's happening with the uh, the, the Russians and, you know, Colonial Pipeline a month ago. And I forget what the latest one was. The beef plants. The beef plants. The, JBS, yes. Well, thanks for that question, Omar. That's uh, uh, one I pondered. Quite often, and you, to 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 do to answer that question, you really got to put yourself into the mindset of a terrorist. A terrorist generally doesn't have much money. Okay, they want to do something very quick and very disruptive that makes people uh, be against their government. It makes people not like their government and be wary of their government, so they're more likely not to support their government. That's the whole thing about terrorism. And so, if you're looking at the nuclear industry as a terrorist, uh, target, 
you got to really look at where where the weak points are. So they got to have not much money. They got to have very little stealth or security, or they got to do something very overt. So where do you do that in a nuclear power uh, system? And I'm hard-pressed to find a place where there's a weakness in there. If you want to say they're going to crash a plane into a nuclear power plant, well, they had, a, they had three planes, and none of them did they crash. There's one right in, near next to Washington, D.C. They could have crashed into that if they wanted to, but they didn't. And it's because nuclear plants are very, very well hardened for that. They actually, that's one of their criteria is to, to resist uh, the, the, the crash of a, of a commercial airline into their facility. So you've wasted your time. You've made a public statement, but you haven't disrupted anything. You've wasted your time. You might have taken some power offline for a while, but you haven't caused a huge conflagration that people are going to lose confidence in their government for. So that's not a good one. Now, the other one they talk about is uh, the used nuclear fuel that we're trying to use to, to make energy out of. Why don't they uh, – that's very radioactive. Why don't they just kill people with that? But you consider that it's sitting in a reinforced concrete container on a guarded site, and if you – manage to get through all of that and use it, which would be a very obvious uh, uh, obvious operation. People can see you doing it. You can't sneak around and do that. And so what if you manage to get in there and you get into this stuff, well, you die, okay? If you break into this thing, you're going to die. So maybe that's worth it to them. But then how do you take this ceramic material as a very dense, hard material like a coffee cup and spread it around to people because you have to get it inside their bodies to really cause the trouble, no matter what you've heard about Fukushima, the, the, the danger of radioactive elements is if they're inside your body somewhere. You can really do a lot if they're outside your body to get away from them if they're really that dangerous. And it takes a lot of radiation, despite what you've heard, to really hurt people. So, so now they're thinking of things to do. Are they going to hijack a train or are they going to uh, whatever else they cook up to do, burn down a building in Kenosha, whatever they're going to do, or are they going to go after this hardened target? that they have very little chance to, to, to defeat and very little way to use it once they get in there. So I would feed back to you. Tell me the scenario that you think a terrorist would go to use to disrupt a, a nuclear power plant system to, to the great advantage of their cause. I, I can't think of one. I want to bring us back to uh, decision-making just a little bit, if I can. Um, one of the things that... Uh, we talk about when we talk about decision making is path dependency and path dependency is a phenomenon where uh, our current and past choices limit our future options and when we when we talk about path dependency nuclear power is a place where we have limited our options legislatively far more than is judicious. We need to start thinking about why things make sense scientifically. Can we do this safely? Is it economic? Um, so uh, in economics, the, we make a, a decisions oftentimes uh, and use path dependency because path dependency helps us uh, determine uh, when we're at an economic equilibrium. Um, economic equilibrium means we're basically going to be at a steady state configuration. Things don't change unless some externality is introduced to change what we have going on. Uh, part of the basis for this conversation is to try and instigate 
change because we are making, we have already made a decision that is not economically viable and it's not scientifically supportable. So, um, tell me where where I'm getting off the off the track here. Um, it, well, you're you're pretty much right on because um, the whole issue had a crux in the United States in 1979 when that movie came out, The China Syndrome, two weeks before uh, the Three Mile Island accident happened. So people saw an opportunity, especially the the, the Petroleum Institute guys, uh, the fossil fuel guys to drive stuff away from nuclear because it's a competitive disadvantage to them. Why they don't embrace it, I don't know. That's another conversation we can have another day. They should embrace it as the future of energy. They're not fossil fuel energy companies. They're energy companies. So that conversation has to be had. But what they did is they saw an opportunity to push the popular uh, opinion against nuclear much to their advantage. So now they can produce more coal and and, uh, natural gas plants and produce power, and so that's their bread and butter. Nuclear they viewed as a, as a competitive to that because you have a utility who's going to buy energy thing, uh, things to generate energy. They can buy a nuclear plant. They can buy a coal plant. Okay. Well, there, there was 40 nuclear plants on order in 1979, and they saw that as a huge problem. In fact, some of the oil companies were getting into the nuclear, had nuclear divisions because they saw the writing on kind of like Detroit does with electric cars. But when that happened, they saw an opportunity, and they, so they instituted this big, big fear factor. And somebody got Jimmy Carter, who should have known better. He was a nuclear engineer. He's in the nuclear Navy. He knew better to, 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 to ban the reprocessing of, of spent nuclear fuel. So now it took the easiest part of the fuel cycle, which was reprocessing. Getting power out of uranium is really hard. Reprocessing relative to that is very easy, okay? But they found that Achilles heel, and so they're on the track to get that done, and there's a lot of stories that we won't get into, but, but it, was, it was materially sidetracked from that. Now you got this stuff. What are you going to do with it? We're going to bury it. So now they spent $12 billion, collected rates from people all over the country when anybody who had a nuclear power in their utility because the, they collected money from them. They have enough fund. It's, about, it's closing in on $45 billion now because interest is built up on it. But they spent $12 billion trying to bury it in a hole out in Nevada, and Nevada, a small state, fought it. So you have this idea that, well, we're just the big U.S. government. We're going to declare that's what we're going to do. Well, it didn't work. And, and, and Nevada fought it and fought it to a standstill after they spent $12 billion. And so now you have no solution to that. And people are using that. Well, see, you're, you know, you're so smart you don't have a solution to it. Well, it's all a politically driven system. Now, no, most people don't know that Reagan, when he came in, said now it's okay to reprocess. But the whole industry had been oriented to uranium now, mining uranium, enriching uranium, making fuel from uranium, and just throw the rest of the stuff away. That was their mindset now. Uh, a lot of people don't know we only get 5% of our uranium from the United States. That was this whole idea that Trump cooked up about uranium de- depository. We can build it up and have our domestic supply, but if we use spent nuclear fuel, we have a domestic supply already sitting there for at least 200 years. So uh, there's a lot of advantages walking down that road, but the whole thing is that it's been materially pushed away from nuclear because simply the Petroleum Institute had a stronger lobby than the, the Nuclear Institute. And once they stopped building nuclear reactors, there really was no nuclear industry. Utilities aren't a nuclear industry. They buy power from wherever they can get it to make the most money. And right now, hugely subsidized wind and solar is is free to them. In fact, they make money uh, off of not selling any of it. 
So you, you, it's hard to compete with that on a level market field. So it's been materially pushed to the side, nuclear has, for, for what they call political reasons, uh, political well, advantage reasons for, in a market-based system. Are we not seeing a uh, reaction in the marketplace? Uh, in different countries, the price of oil is very markedly different. If you go to Europe, you're paying six, seven dollars uh, a gallon, maybe more. Uh, you have a uh, bump in the road uh, with respect to supply, and you're over ten bucks in a heartbeat. Um, California is, is four, five, six dollars a, a gallon in the U.S. If the oil industry can drive nuclear out of or keep the nuclear out of the public electric generation business, it has a monopoly to the benefit of uh, fossil fuel. The question that, that I think is before America right now, uh, New Hampshire too, as, as part of the country, is why are we not availing ourselves of the resources that we have why are we leaving this this political decision in place? Um, it's not like the nuclear industry has a huge amount of sunk cost um, that anybody is defending. Most of the nuclear plants in the in the United States these days uh, are shut down. Um, back in the, in the late sixties, early seventies, there were more nuclear plants than there are today, and. People don't understand when you limit your options and you don't replace what you have that's creating your supply, you're putting yourself in a, a position where your options are severely limited. Well, we've... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, which is why ISO New England has already projected that we're going to have brownouts. I mean, you, you just look at what happened under COVID where... We now supply all of our students with Chromebooks so that they can be up on, on the energy uh, consumption, right? And then you're you're pushing your electric cars, and you're you're closing all your other options other than wind and solar. And those are, as as Steve has said many times over, those are limited in, as to when they can produce and what they can produce. And they're not necessarily as efficient as something that we could, we've already got in our backyard. A lot of it boils down to things beyond energy per se, though. It's about control of the population. And, and I think one of the things, you know, the nuclear industry could try to do is equate it with freedom. And the freedom of people to have the power to do those things that they would like to do. Because I really think at the end of the day, the government knows wind and solar are losers. Mm -hmm. that, that That's not their concern right now. Their concern is, quite frankly, entrapping the American people to the point where they'll have no choice but to do what the government says. I mean, I know I sound a little bit uh, fatalist, but that I, I'm just reading <laughs> what the tea leaves are showing. Well, you, 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 I, that's exactly the way I see it happening to us now, but we're America. We have a constitution. If we use it, if we use that constitution and 
we force free markets, which is no subsidies and less taxes on commodities. The reason it's so expensive in Europe and California is there's huge taxes on it. Huge taxes on it. Yep. I think it's $1.40 a gallon now in California, and Europe is probably half the cost of, of, of fuel as taxes. Well, so, they use taxes to both – they, they subsidize to encourage and tax to discourage. Mm-hmm. I, that's nothing new. We have a, another call beyond okay, the call sure. that's calling in now, so let's see what the caller might have to say. Hello, you're on Common Sense. Hello. Oh, that caller went bye-bye. Let's try <laughs> the other caller. Hello, you're on Common Sense. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for your guests. Yep, go ahead. Okay. Let me start off first by saying it is really irritating to me how so many Americans are willing to give up fossil fuels, which the Earth produces, for something that man is producing in lieu of. Second off, nuclear power. Are you aware that Montana just approved a nuclear power plant to be built by Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, but it's only to subsidize the electrical for the electrical car? No one, I think they said something like it'll power 800 homes if there's a blackout. So my question to your guests, how come Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are now so interested in nuclear power that we, the people, when we wanted it, were told, no, you can't have it. And where's the outrage? Well, Bill Gates has been in the business. Thank you very much, Paula. We'll let Stephen happen. Thank you. Bill Gates has been very much in the nuclear business for quite a while. He has several designs that he's working on. This is the one that looks most promising to him. Um, he, he, Warren Buffett, I don't know why Warren Buffett there is except that he wanted some press time because he has nothing to do with nuclear. He's a big wind guy, wind, mostly wind, but wind and solar. And he's famously quoted as saying, I would not be in these businesses if it wasn't for the subsidies. I'm a businessman. I'll take money from wherever it comes from, and the more I can get subsidies, the better I'll take them. And and sure, I'll produce wind if there's if there's no doubt if there's no risk in the business, and I can make a lot of money. Heck, I'm all all for it. He said that stuff. So you, you got to understand what's the best interest of the consumer, and that's why I'm here. I I just am appalled that the consumer doesn't have a voice in it. If you go to Target, you got a choice of you know, 17 different kinds of potato chips to buy. So these people all have to make their potato chips attractive to you or you're not going to buy them price-wise, quality-wise. And if they're not selling, they won't stock them anymore. But with energy, you have a single source of, of energy. And that's utilities. And the utilities are not, uh, are not competitive with each other and they're not competitive with the types of energy that they put in. And then you have the government comes in. So the, they're talking about trillions of dollars of subsidies for wind and solar, and I don't know, a trillion dollars, if you don't know it, is $3,000 per person in the United States and $14,000 per taxpayer in the United States. So what category you want to fit yourself into, just uh, imagine that. Every time they say a trillion, you think either 3000 or 14000 I think quantitative easing. 
Well, <laughs> and, the, and, and they are subsidizing nuclear on the order of millions of dollars, okay? So, yeah, they make a big deal about being in favor of nuclear, but if you're subsidizing the million range versus the trillion range, there is no competition. There's absolutely no competition generated with that benefit. And if you consider that every time you build a solar farm or a wind farm, you either have to build a battery plant or a natural gas plant, okay? And because they're not on all the time. And, and uh, nuclear power just chunks away power and puts it on the line. It's 100% clean uh, once you get the fuel. Uh, and now that we're d- thinking of using uh, use nuclear fuel, then it's 100% clean because you've already done the mining. You've already done the mining and refining. It's already done for you. So you just got to uh, transform that into a, a fuel type that goes into a small modular reactor. And, 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 and people like small modular reactors. They're smaller. They're what they call inherently safe. I told you the nuclear power industry now is the safest industry out there. These are even safer. Then they, they, you can walk away from them and they won't, they won't melt down. <laughs> and that's been proven. So there's a, there's, a, there's a path for you consumers to take. And you, have, you are the consumers. You're, you're, you're the customer. You're the guys buying the power. You should be able to go out there and influence the system of how and where you buy power. And, and, and I know it's important to us. I know we have to have it. But you, you, you have to you have to assert your, the, the power that the Constitution gives us and the free enterprise system gives us because if you want things to be cheaper, you better have some competition. God forbid they teach that in school so people understand <laughs> the too busy with critical race theory. Hello, you're on Common Sense. Gentlemen, good morning. I'm glad, glad your show is on the air. And uh, energy is a key factor in the, our existence in the world next to water. Um, it's, it's confusing to me that um, Europe, such as France, could have a lot of nuclear energy, but this country is opposed to it. Our country can okay a pipeline from uh, Russia to Germany to be built to bring fossil fuel, but here we want to cut our pipelines off. It sounds like nuclear energy is... Uh, a wave of the future that we need to embrace with the need of electric cars, the electricity is going to need to power them. France, uh, they have nuclear energy and it's okay there, but it's not okay here. And uh, the pipeline nixed from uh, the Dakotas from Canada down down to our country uh, is nixed, but they allow a pipeline to go from uh, Russia to Germany. And we're stuck with uh, needing energy. And a, a big concern I have is the electric cars. My understanding is ozone at the ground level, which electric motors produce, is very bad for our environment. So it, it sounds like everything's supposed to be green, but the electric motor running to power cars is going to pollute probably more than what a gasoline engine will. I heard that the uh, electric uh, pickup truck, the F-150, has an 1,800-pound battery in it, which the pollution created to produce the battery, and then when it's expired to get rid of it, sounds very counterproductive to a cleaner source of energy. So if you can comment on this, I'm sure the gentleman proposing nuclear energy has a lot of knowledge in that direction. So I'll hang up and listen to the response. Thank Thank you very much uh, for the time. All right. Thank you for your call. Well, my, uh, my comment to that is, again, back to the free enterprise system, we let the market decide what we buy. We don't do that with energy. We're driven into like little lemmings into a corner with energy, so we buy whatever they throw out to us because, like you said, it's so important to us. I contend it's even more important than water because we can get water, but there's only one source you can get energy. So uh, you're really hitting on a theme that is, uh, you know, you should go talk to people and tell them that too. That's what I do. But France is the one with their power. Germany is shutting down their nuclear power plants and the 
contrast is huge. Their cost of uh, electricity is three times what France is. They only get credit for, their, some of the reactors are going, but they only get credit for clean energy with the power they buy from France at night when they have excess power. But their wind and solar is a, is a debacle. It's only going to, I think, 2% is wind and seven uh, seven wind and two percent solar now kind of worldwide after all these years of paper in the whole country with them so they're never going to take over and Germany's bad because they don't have natural gas they're going to get a pipeline from Putin and however that good that does them but they're using the worst the dirtiest coal because that's all they have to supplement their shutting down of their perfectly fine and operating nuclear power plants for whatever insane political reason they're they're thinking. So that's a good contrast, France and Germany. Now, China? Well, Germany's got Andrea Merkel, who's an East German, always will be an East German. I mean, well, I don't know if people well, realize they that. Tolerate and quite her. honestly, Germany is the... They might as well just bring back the flag with the compass on it. Germany is the, uh, is the model for Vermont, because Vermont did exactly the same thing. We all go to solar, wind, and cow poop, and we shut... Our, uh, close our, our nuclear plants. And what do we do? We now, uh, when Germany contracts with France for their nuclear excess, then we Vermont now contracts with Seabrook for their excess. So, you know, we're, we're replicating that kind of a uh, thinking, which is, as, as well, Mark will, points out, but <laughs> it's it feels a little good, bit right? bad decision-making here. Yeah. Well, it, it's really kind of self-defeating because you can only buy the excess from people who have excess. Exactly. And they're not going to sell to you if they need it. So <laughs> That's yeah, right, so, which is exactly well, the problem. Well, unless you get a better price. Unless you get a better price. See, yeah. And then you're just going to go like you, like and Texas tell was paying $9, normal customer yeah. base TS. So, so now Vermont's going to just raise more cows so we can impact the Climate change is that what they? <laughs> well, well, they all talk about China as our well, biggest enemy, but it for for a way to cook dinner, right? But look what China's doing. They came on and built wind and solar in great proliferation for the, about the last decade, but they developed their nuclear power capability, and now they're building them as fast as they can. They're probably bringing in eight to ten online every year with the ambition to get 400 nuclear power reactors online and running. So they're not doing as much wind and solar now. They're doing a lot of nuclear. Russia is also doing the same thing. They have some very advanced reactors. The fast reactors we were talking about, Russia has online, and they're selling reactors. No more graphite? No, they are done with the, well, not, not, the, not the Chernobyl design. That is gone. And that was, uh, they admit that was a dumb mistake. But they ran for 14 years without a single problem after Chernobyl, and it, all they had to do is use the safety features, and they, they work fine. But they're exporting to Africa. Africa is the next big uh, uh, energy-starved area. India a little bit, but Africa. China's well, taking China's care of their China's trying self. to turn Africa into China South anyway. Well, they're, they're, that's a good way in, to do in it. A, in a number of ways. Their quality of life of is directly related to how much energy you have, and that's proven out throughout the world's uh, civilizations and Africa is the least energized area. So, if you want them to have a quality of life and come into which they all want, you're going to put more uh, energy into their lives and allow them to have more energy to to make their lives better. So that's where the market's opening. And yep, China, U.S., and Russia all fighting over who gets political control over there. Well, energy—they're trying to get political control over us here with energy. Why not get political control over there with energy? It just works fine. So. Caller's right. There's there's a lot of smarter and more competitive people out there in this technology than we are, and we were the world leader for a long time. Yep. we got to have another caller. Let's okay. see if they're still on. Hello, caller. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Great conversation, but uh, I'm thinking about the name of your show, Common Sense. <laughs> 
And really, with every single subject that you have discussed, how nuclear power is safer, I haven't heard any conversation about hydro, but the bottom line is, in this upside-down world, clean energy is dirty, and dirty energy is clean. And if you really think about it, that's really, really the scoop here. Solar is not clean to produce. It's not going to be clean to dispose of. And it's produced in a third-world country where there are no environmental concerns or controls. Uh, that, you know, that country that produces those solar panels back 20 years ago when I was traveling there was putting on a new soft coal power generating plant every week. Now we hear they're building nuclear. You know, nuclear power is clean. Nuclear power can power a aircraft carrier at 40 knots for 30 years without refueling. When was the last time you heard of a serious nuclear accident on board one of our ships? We've been using it for, what, 40 years? I'd, I'd, ask, I'd have to ask your expert. Since 1955. But, well, but I mean in a big way. You know, I mean, we've, we've been using it a long time, and it's safe. If Seabird 2 had been built and come online, New Hampshire would have the cleanest, cheapest energy in New England. Instead, we have the highest electric costs in the, in the country. It's, uh, the whole thing is upside down. Wind is not clean. You know, if we put a wind generator on every single mountain across the country, it's still only going to be useful when the wind blows. And even when the wind's blowing, it's only going to provide 10% of our power needs. These, green, these, these electric cars are considered to be green. As you're pointing out, they are far from green. They're going to cripple us in, in so many ways. And yet, it, it all comes back to politics. And the people who have common sense would organize and vote politicians in and demand to have, you know, intelligent, non-agenda people sitting on these public utility commissions we could start to turn some of this stuff around. Tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> the, the things that are in the weeds, but these, these problems are so damn simple and so easy to solve, but we need to have people get, become active politically and do something about it. All right. Well, I, I thank you for the call. And well, he's, uh, he's, he's right on. And, I, and I, again, I, I was facetious when I said tell all your friends, but you should tell all your friends. Grassroots is where it's at. And people have to start beginning to discuss with each other and understand the basics of this. But, but you are getting back to a new corner with wind and solar, not just because they're more expensive, not just because they're toxic, not just because they have huge implications for disposition uh, in a very short time. They're, they're about 20 to 25 years life, and turbine, turbine frame are not recyclable, and they're about a 10-year life. And, so and with the wind... Half the time they're running it with electricity just to make it look like the turbine's going, which I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Well, so you have to have 20-mile-an-hour winds before the, the turbines I, actually I, become efficient understood, enough. Understood, but, uh, you know, some of these places where they've gone through the politics of getting it built, they, they have to show something, in air quotes, you know, and so... But you all look at your bills and say how expensive it is yeah. and how maybe... I'd rather have a $300 a month than a $400 a month. You're, all, you're each of you. Each of you in this country is paying $3,000 a year that you didn't even know about with the subsidies. 
So maybe they can make it look good. Maybe it can be profitable for rich people that own utilities and own wind and solar companies, but it's not profitable for you as a consumer, and they're hiding it all from you. So the caller is exactly right. There's a lot of warts all over this stuff, and in the past, and America's all about testing stuff out in the market. Okay, people buy it. It survives. People don't. It doesn't survive. If you skew that market, the only thing that can happen is prices will go up. You'll get monopolies. You'll get controlled. And if they get control of energy, there goes your liberty. Your liberty is out the door because we will do anything to have our energy. We just can't imagine a life without energy. So you can, you can find your own food and grow victory gardens and all the stuff we did in World War II. You can, you can find water, especially in New Hampshire. If you want to just get drinking water, you can find it. But you're not going to find energy just sitting on the, in your backyard or, or you have to have it come into your house and somebody has to produce it for you. So you're really uh, playing with, with dynamite here if you're trusting the subsidized uh, uh, um, uh, market because the, 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 the most dangerous word for me is free. Free means you pay for it later, okay? And so if you're listening to free, you're getting mesmerized by, by the, the, the voices. So understand the market, understand what's happening to you, assert your rights as consumers. You are paying for the power. You should have the right to choose. And that's being taken away from you, and we, we just need to get the good old American system working for us again. All right. Uh, it seems we have another call. The call is coming in today, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hello, you're on Common Sense. Good morning, guys. I know you're down to the wire, so I'm going to do a little speed talking. My, um, my question is, uh, is nuclear energy more uh, difficult to get rid of the residue or this new Bill Gates uh, design that he's going to be using salt? which will actually kill the earth when you uh, put it into the, uh, the earth. I mean, uh, we're, we're caught by the proverbial short hairs with these uh, people uh, running our lives. So, um, and forget about seeds, because Obama doesn't want you to grow anything. They want you to eat genetically modified foods, so get prepared for that. But uh, I, I reiterate, salt or nuclear, harder to get rid of, which... Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, okay, uh, the Gates reactor is a fast reactor and could burn uh, spent nuclear fuel if it was if they decided to use that for fuel, but they're not. They're going to use thorium for fuel, which is a fine way to do it, but it doesn't reduce our uh, signature of spent nuclear fuel. We want to design uh, reactors similar to his design that are uh, optimized for burning the spent fuel because it's here, it's available, it's something people worry about. It's a, a, a way we can take uh, something that they worry about off their plates and actually turn it into energy. So there's uh, you, the small modular reactors that are coming, and that's what Bill Gates' reactor design is, are much safer and much better in, the, in, in, in general. And once they get – the nice thing about those is you can build them in a factory and send them out places. You don't have to spend four years in a – and, and with huge amounts of concrete and everything building a reactor. So there's lots of advantages to them. I think you should brace them. But, n- no, they're not going to be a drain on, on the, uh, the environment or anything. They're, they're much safer and much less uh, environmentally imposing than any other energy source you're going to use, including solar and wind, and for reasons we've talked about, coal ash. There's mountains and mountains and mountains of coal ash. Uh, the, the fracking industry produces huge amounts of radi- radioactive material that come out of the earth naturally. They have a problem with it. They have to depose it somewhere. There's a lot of these things you don't hear about. And so you've got to be really sophisticated consumers and understand the system 
and buy the buy the product that you think is most beneficial to you. That's how the market works. Okay. We are down to the last couple of minutes here. So I just want Steve, I just want to make sure if to get you in if you have uh, any kind of a closing comment you'd like to make cuz I know Mark will want that. some time at the very end. Okay, well, uh, we can get more information uh, on our website if you like, or you can certainly call me anytime you like. Uh, the website is wastetoenergynow.org. There's a lot of information on that. Is that, that. the number two? Uh, no, I okay. the number's on the site. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be glad to give it out, but that probably wouldn't be the thing I should do on the radio show. But that website is there. And the bottom line is you, you want to be a consumer. You want to be a... Um, Customer. Customers are always right. Customers should control. Customers run the economy. And if you let uh, other people come in and run your economy, you're going to be paying a lot more. And so that uh, we just feel that you have an asset here, uh, spent nuclear fuel. We call it slightly used nuclear fuel. And you should put that to work to you and get your governor busy and advocate that. We'll be glad to help you any way we can. Thank you, Steve and Karen, for coming in today. 